Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Accept no substitute. Hey everybody and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz and I'm an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles is the daily show to my crazed One Direction fans. Keith Caulfield, how's it going Keith? Um, I'm living while I'm young. How are you? Oh, that's great, man. Glad you can appreciate the little things. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's all about trying to... Um, keep perspective on i can't think of another song <laughs> I, I just drew a blank you are always trying to steal my girl let's just let's just leave it at that yes i don't, I don't know i'm so that. trying to steal your girl <laughs> well uh well keith with that we have a jam-packed show as we do every week here on the pop shop when podcast. do we not have a jam-packed show Jason? i know we we have a great special guest today uh tovlo who whose song uh, habits stay high enters the top 10 of the Hot 100 this week, actually, which is very exciting. She stopped by the New York office to talk about her debut album, Queen of the Clouds. What timing? What timing? You planned that so well timing? to have her come I know. by. Look at me. Look at me, man. Um, yeah, no, she she was great, and it, it was a great chat, and you'll hear that later in the show. We're also going to talk about the Hot 100, Megan Trainer. Uh, how long can All About That Bass stay number one? Clean Bandit is in the top 10. Uh, Kendrick Lamar debuts in the top 40. Um, we have some new songs from One Direction, like we were just punning off of, and Lord and Fergie, and we have a whole lot more to talk about. Keith, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Sorry. There's a salt and pepper song called Are You Ready? Suddenly it stuck in my head. <laughs> I know, are I know. You hey, ready? You actually remember that salt and pepper song? Of course, man. I was a big uh, DJ Spinderella fan. Shout DJ Spinderella cut Spinderella. it up one time. Ooh. Ooh. So Ooh. you know who Ooh. is cutting it up? on our Billboard 200 albums chart, Keith, that would be Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. Cheek to cheek, number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart this week. How much did it sell? It was a close race, actually, for number one this week on the Billboard 200. Actually, an exciting week at the top of the chart. Bum, uh, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, their new duets album, Cheek to Cheek, sold 131,000 copies in the week ending uh, September 28th, according to Nielsen Soundscan. Um, it's Tony Bennett's second number one album. 
and Lady Gaga's third number one album. So congrats to both of them on their latest achievements at the top of the Billboard 200 chart. And Tony Bennett was the oldest artist to ever top the album chart, and a couple years ago when he did with his Duets 2 album, and now he is he has just reset that record, correct? Yes, uh, he uh, Tony Bennett is 88 years old, and he or 88 years young, depending on how you like to look yeah. at it, and therefore is the oldest living artist to be number one on the Billboard 200 chart. And we say oldest living artist, you know, because you know someone could be dead, and someone might think, well, if they were 95 today, they would have been. Yeah, yeah we're not going to go down that road. But yes, 88 years old, oldest person at number one, and he's still board. going. He's, he's still, still going. going. Uh, him and Lady Gaga are, are probably going to play this album live a lot. So th- this album, Cheek to Cheek, it surpassed Kenny Chesney. Kenny Chesney debuts at number two this Just week. Just barely. Just barely. So this was better than expected sales for Cheek to Cheek, correct? Um. Well, yeah, I think it did a little... Well, at least in terms of the last week, it did a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know what the forecast was like you know, months ago when this was first announced. I think this is such a curiosity that it was probably yeah. always going to be a big question mark, you know, because exactly. it's not a traditional Tony Bennett album, and some Tony Bennett fans might be kind of turned off by the idea of him collaborating with Lady Gaga because she's so polarizing at times. And then Lady, this isn't a traditional Lady Gaga album because it's not a pop album, and her fans might be like, I'm going to pass on the jazz thing. Thanks, Gaga. So... You know, it was kind of like you're gonna you're only gonna get a chunk of each of these artists' fans. So hopefully that each of those chunks would add up to a significant number, and it did, um, just barely. It it actually beat Kenny Chesney by a thousand copies. Uh, Kenny Chesney debuts at number two with the big revival. It sold one hundred and thirty thousand. Um, Don't cry for Kenny. Um, he actually debuts at number one on the top country albums chart, and it's his thirteenth number one on that chart. So. You know, it's okay. He, he got edged out just a little bit, but he's still number one on the country album start. Yeah, it, it, it's it's been an interesting fall so far because you have these older artists kind of ruling things. You have Tony Bennett, 88 years young, like you said, number one on the album start, and then a little bit below him and below Kenny Chesney, who is a veteran artist in his own right. But you have Barbara Streisand, uh, who was number one last week, with a very tiny drop off from her first week to her second week she's at number three this week and it was it was kind of remarkable how consistent this this album has been selling through two weeks absolutely yeah i mean i I made a big deal of noting how small her decline was in its second week the album partners that we're talking about which is another duets album but it's a duets album with a whole bunch of people instead of just two people um it sold 127,000 copies this past week which was down only 35 percent now Without any context, you think 35% is actually a huge drop. That's not. Typically, most number one debuting albums fall anywhere between 60-something to 70-something percent in their second week. Because generally, the first week is uh, the biggest week for an album. However, um, this decline is actually the smallest decline for any number one debuting album since like February this year when the Now 49 compilation had a 21% decline in its second week. Uh, Other debuts this week, Alt-J with their by far their best sales week with uh, their sophomore album, This Is All Yours. They are, you know, they've been a, a festival circuit mainstay over the past few years. 
their first album in Awesome Wave, won the Mercury Prize, and, and slowly but surely scooped up a lot of fans. Now they're playing Madison Square Garden. That was just announced a couple hours before we started taping this. Oh, cool. So, Alt-J, congrats to them. Also in the top ten, Pentatonix with their largest sales debut. Pentatonix, acapella group, and the champions of one of the seasons of the sing-off. They just, you know, they just keep coming with these pop covers, these acapella pop covers, and they have a top ten album. Yeah, it's a PTX Volume 3 EP. Debuts at number five, sold 46,000 copies. That's their best debut. Not their best sales week overall, but it's their best debut week. Um, but it's also their highest charting album, as you said. Um, and we have another Pentatonix album on the way. They have a Christmas album called That's Christmas to Me. It's coming out October 21st. So there'll be two Pentatonix albums to delight fans as we go as we march into the Christmas season. I really hope they say the album title like that. That's Christmas to me. That's Christmas to me. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that voice is. Oh. It's the, if that's the acapella group voice. That's that's um, my, yeah, I don't know what that is. Let's move on. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson is also a debut in the top 10 at number 10 with a, a little bit of an underwhelming sales figure right now. This was a big comeback look for her. Um, was it really a comeback? Was it? I, I think a little bit. J Hud number ten. Was this uh, was this a little bit of a of a steeper drop off than her her last two albums? I, I know you don't have that in front of you, but no, uh, sure I do. I, I can make these things happen. Um, her last album was called I Remember Me, and it came out in 2011, back in March of 2011. Um, it sold a, a whole heck of a lot more. It hold, sold 165,000 copies. Yeah. In its first week, uh, this new album. Sold twenty four thousand. Yeah, twenty four thousand. So, so kind of a dip, but at least she has a top ten album. Um, and I guess you could pronounce the album Judd uh, if you just run all the words together, or J Hud. Um, Jahud. <laughs> I don't Should. think it's Jahud. Jahud. It's probably J Hud. She would probably so, be. She probably slap me if she was like, <laughs> "Girl, stop that." She stopped into the Billboard offices a couple weeks ago. And give a great interview. Check that out as well on Billboard.com. I saw so she was keep, dancing with Joe Levy, by the way. That was pretty She funny. was on our real-time rewind. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. So, Keith, one album that is not in the top ten this week that a lot of people have been talking about the past few days, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, the second solo album from Tom York, the Radiohead frontman. Keith, it is not in, not on the Billboard 200 this week. And can you explain to our listeners why that is? Um, okay, well, so Tom York had a new album uh, that he released on Friday, last Friday, and it was released in a really unconventional way. It was distributed through BitTorrent um, as a bundle, and you could actually download a portion of the bundle for free, and if you wanted to get the whole bundle um, with all the songs on the album, it would cost you, like, I think $6. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you actually purchase the album, you would I think you'd go through either PayPal or Sandbag, which was the merchant that was kind of behind, that was like doing the actual money exchange. But BitTorrent was actually the one that delivered the thing to you. Anyway, at the end of the day, um, th- those responsible for selling the album did not choose to report those sales to Nielsen SoundScan. Nielsen SoundScan is, again, the company that provides Billboard with its sales information that powers all of our sales charts. Um, And therefore, Tom York's album is not anywhere on any of our sales charts. This is not the first time that someone in the Radiohead Tom York camp has declined 
to report sales. Uh, when In Rainbows came out at the um, with the uh, sort of choose your pay own it. price, yeah, pay what you want. Um, there was some. Uh, I think there was. I, I'm not. I'm a little unclear. But ultimately, the sales were not reported. I think because there were complications regarding um, how the customer information was being tracked. Uh, I'm like, don't quote me on that. Wait, I'm on a podcast. Um, but yeah, that, in rainbows initially wasn't uh, reported to SoundScan either. Um, it ultimately did end up on the charts once it went out for a traditional mainstream yeah. wide release. It was, it was like a couple. I, I think it was about two and a half, two and a half months after uh, it, it launched in October yeah. 2007. So you know, um, and and it's not. I mean, it's not for trying. I I reached out. You know, for what it's worth, I reached out to uh, Radiohead's management and and their publicity team, um, you know, asking about this and. Uh, I'm trying to get clarity on if there was a particular reason why they chose not to report the sales. Um, I can make guesses, but that would be just sort of pontificating on yeah. I mean, pontifications. Y- you know, it's Billboard runs on reported sales, and they have to be reported accurately. Where you know, if if they're not reported, they're not going to show up on the Billboard 200 albums chart. I, I would love for those sales to be reported because I think it's such a cool way of distributing an album, and um, it you know, clearly it stirred up a lot of interest, and people were very interested in this new way of of selling an album, especially in this new bundle format that BitTorrent yeah. has. Um, but you know, I mean, it's this. This particular artist chose not to have their sales reported, and maybe they, you know, because this is such a new thing, you know, I, you know, perhaps they were, you know, uh, Radiohead and Tom York were probably concerned about, you know, impressions and misinterpretations of the sales figure. You know, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's this. Oh, that's that. And maybe they're like, you know, this is such a test case. You know, maybe we don't want to let that number out right now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. It's true. I, I I think it'll be interesting to see how this story develops if tomorrow's Modern Boxes gets like a physical release, if it shows up on the Billboard 200 albums chart in the coming weeks, in the coming months. I guess we shall see. So, Keith, moving on to next week, we have a couple big albums coming out. We got Blake Shelton, Lady Antebellum, and Prince. Do you have uh, sales for early sales forecast for these albums? It's the Prince Show. It's the Prince Show. It's the Prince Show. Um, actually, it won't be quite the Prince Show next week. Um, the the biggest new release this week, at least right now, and it's still early. It's only Wednesday morning when we're recording this. Right now, the biggest new debut looks to be from Blake Shelton. Um, his new album might do like ninety thousand, maybe. Okay. Maybe a little bit more. Um, the next biggest album might be Lady Annabellum. They have a new album called 747 or 747 uh, or Uno, Dos, Tres, Cuatro, Cinco, Seis, Siete. Uno, Dos, Tres, Cuatro, Siete. I don't know. Um, uh, they, <laughs> that, was, that was fascinating. That was over terrible. Here. Yeah. Um, that might do like 70,000. Um, so those are the two biggest albums. Prince, he actually released two different albums this week, a solo album and then an album with his uh, group Third Eye Girl. Yep. Um, his solo album maybe could do 50, um, and then the Third Eye Girl combo platter might do 25. Um, so I'm kind of curious. We might have a number one album that is not any of those people I just said. It could be, for all I know, Barbara Streisand, considering she had such a small second week decline. Who knows? She could be number yeah. one again if she holds on. <laughs> you got these huge artists like Lady Gaga. and Well, Lady Gaga was number one, but you have... 
these huge artists coming out and Barbara Streisand is just going to be in that top five probably just like can't can't stop won't stop Barbara Streisand can't stop the divas can't stop the divas so moving over to the hot 100 chart Megan Trainers, All About That Bass is number one it is number one for the fourth week in a row you know we we've spent the past few weeks on this podcast kind of glossing over the fact that Megan Trainer is number one um just yeah because, why you know, why it, have you done that I think it's just because we like to talk about movement on the charts. And, you know, when a, when a song is in its multiple weeks run at number one, there's not really that much to say about it. But I do want to talk about how long this song could be at number one. Now, you know, Keith, you, you report on the digital sales of songs. You look at the radio figures. What, is this slowing down at all? Do you see a long run? This is week number four now. Do you see a long run for All About That Bass at number one? It's slowing down a little bit. It's down 5% okay. in overall points on the Hot 100. Um, translation, um, it's still quite a bit ahead of the number two title, which is Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. Um, Taylor Swift actually gains this week. Um, um, she's, yeah. she's up in um, radio and streaming points. Um, and the streaming gain is actually owed to the fact that the song finally reached Spotify like a week and a half ago. Yeah. So sort of the late delivery to Spotify um, helped it have a bullet on the chart this week. And a bullet means that, you know, you're a title that has one of the largest gains on the chart. That's that's where that number one with a bullet comes from way back Hey-o. in the day. hey a little bit of chart history for you. Um, so, yeah, Megan's quite a bit ahead. So. I don't see her going anywhere anytime soon, but you know, anything is possible. One Direction could surprise everyone with their new single this week. Um, I think that comes out, did it come out to radio already? Or am I just riffing on nothing that actually? Not sure. I mean, it was released commercially on Monday, Uh 29th, and it is on Spotify and it's on, you know, it's it's blowing up on YouTube. So I I guess we'll see about One Direction. We shall see. But no, it it could be there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I mean, you have songs like Magic Rude, you have Iggy Azalea, Fancy, those were kind of neck and neck for a song in the summer, but then Megan Trainer kind of blows into town in September at number one. And yeah, I guess we'll see how long it shall last. Uh, let's, let's skip ahead a little bit to the impending Hot 100 debuts. Like we said, uh, One Direction, Steal My Girl, is the lead single from their fourth album called Four. And it's a song I love, and I've written about it extensively on Billware.com. Did you see my my thing on Steal My Girl? I Keith? saw some of it. <laughs> and so you started reading it and then got so angry that you, you stopped I, reading it? To be, to be perfectly honest, I saw a headline, but I did not read oh, the story. Okay. I did read the story, though, about how this song allegedly rips off at least two different other songs. Yes, yeah, yeah, Newfound Glory and Journey. I mean, so. really, if you listen to the Journey song, you're like, oh, man, man, you guys are really just sort of <laughs> s- scrolling through your vinyl rock archives from I the know. 80s. And it's like, it's Def Leppard, it's The Clash, it's Journey, man. It's like all I those know. rock it's, t-shirts that they wear really are coming true. It's so funny. Music. It's so funny because that's exactly, like, they they couldn't be more obvious with their influences in terms of not only the uh steal my girl the new single but you remember best song ever which debuted at number two on the hot 100 last year the the intro sounds exactly like babbo o'reilly from the who 
And Pete Townsend actually commented on it and was like, I don't know if you remember this, but he was like, I don't really mind. I kind of like One Direction. It's cool that they're they're influenced by the Who. So as long as yeah. it remains an influence and not basically a ripoff, and it's yeah. it's a very fine line because why isn't line. anyone taking? I mean, when when do you actually approach the sort of blurred lines Marvin Gaye territory? And when do you remain, oh, Midnight Memories just kind of references Def Leppard's Pour Some Sugar on Me? Or what was the song that referenced Should I Stay or Should I Go? It was like the da 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 Oh, that was Live While We're Young. Like the first yeah. single. I'm like, they, they, all, they all kind of hint at other songs, but they're kind of plausibly just sort of inspired by. And it, they're, yeah. it's like you're walking that fine line. I'm just curious. I, it's not really a question now for the conversation that we're having now, but well, they're very they're very good at walking that fine line, and that's and that's kind of my argument is that they are making very very derivative rock music. I, I'd call it that. Like it, it's not like innovative in any way, but it's really great derivative rock music. I well, I if, love, if you're copying, if you're inspired by some of the the biggest and catchiest and most well known songs in history that were proven chart hits. Well, of course they're going to be catchy and good because you're you're sort of being inspired by the best of the best. Exactly. Like, if you're taking cues from The Who and Journey and The Clash and Def Leppard, well, yeah, you're going to have some catchy tunes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, Keith, I, I guess we'll we'll check back in on One Direction's Steal My Girl, but it's uh, important to note that, like I said, the, the last two lead singles from One Direction albums, which was... Uh, Last year, Best Song Ever, which debuted at number two on the Hot 100. And then the year before, you had Live While We're Young, which also had a top five debut on the Hot 100. So, you know, you could you could really reasonably expect Steal My Girl to fly into the top five next week. We also have debuts from Lord, new single Yellow Flicker Beat, which is the lead single of the latest Hunger Games soundtrack, Mockingjay Part 1. Now the first two songs from the uh, the first the let let me let me step back let me rephrase <laughs> the singles from the first two Hunger Games soundtracks, which was Taylor Swift "Safe and Sound" featuring the Civil War's great song, and then Atlas from Coldplay. They weren't really huge hits, right? Well, uh, so the, the the Taylor Swift Civil War song actually was a pretty significant hit. Okay. Um, it, 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 it actually <laughs> went to number 30 on the Billboard Hot 100, um, spent 17 weeks on the chart. So that's actually pretty good. And it's, it sold like millions of downloads. Um, so it did quite well. Um, but there's been diminishing returns ever since then for, uh, the songs from the movies, much like, you know, we see with Twilight and, you know, any sort of series, there's going to be kind of diminishing returns. It's harder to get people interested, um, you know, unless you're, say, Bruno Mars with uh, the It Will Rain song from yeah. I which Twilight movie was. But well, I digress, that, I digress. That's a, ex- exactly the kind of comparison I, I want to make because, yeah, like you said, it is. it has been diminishing a little bit. But the thing is, Lord is such a captivating artist that so many people are interested in and to see what she's doing next. I've just, I've, I've seen everyone posting about Yellow Flicker Beat. It'll be interesting to see how that does on the Hot 100 next week, uh, assuming it debuts. Also, Fergie is back. Uh, L.A. Love, La La. Her ode her, to Pitbull. Yes. Her ode to Pitbull. Yeah, uh, produced she's, by DJ Mustard. She's Ms. Worldwide in this song. I'm sorry. No, yeah. No, it's true. It's it's absolutely true. She is... She's basically like... It's the, 
the sonic equivalent of where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where just, in the world is Fergie San Diego? Tell me where in the world. <laughs> she might be in San Diego. I'm like Rockapella. Is that the name of the group? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, we're in goofy moods today, man. Yeah, um, sorry. La Love La La. It is uh, her comeback single, and we will check in with that as well. Uh, a, a song we referenced last week, Kendrick Lamar's "I," his new single, debuts in the top forty this week, right? Uh, yeah, it debuts at number thirty-nine on the Billboard Hot 100. I, and for one of the shortest, short, shortest song titles ever on the Billboard Hot 100, <laughs> only yeah. one character. Hard to get shorter than that. Yeah, well, we had three by Britney Spears. That was the that was the, I think the shortest uh, shortest three. Uh, oh yeah, three one yeah. two. It went to number one. I think that's the shortest. Yeah, that number debuted one at number ever. one, right? Yeah. Anyway, but so, yes, Kendrick Lamar debuts at number thirty-nine. So Kendrick Lamar, we talked about him last week, just having a much bigger profile than when Good Kid, Mad City came out. He's much more of a household name now, after two years removed from his you know excellent debut album. Do you think could this be his biggest Hot 100 hit? Uh, where like where does it have to go to become Kendrick Lamar's biggest Hot 100 hit? Well, I will tell you, as I stall. Actually, I'm just typing. I'm looking into a database. Um, well, let's see. Well, swimming pools drank went to number seventeen. Okay. Um, it and poetic Justin went went to twenty six. So he's actually had some bigger hits. He he'd need to get higher than, in terms of as a lead artist on the chart. Yeah. Um, he'd have to go higher than swimming pools uh, number seventeen. He's actually had a top ten, but only as a featured artist on ASAP Rocky's Effin Problems. Effin Problems went to number yeah. eight. But you know that that was as a featured act. So you can count that, but you also cannot count it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a big debut for Kendrick Lamar, the first single from his highly anticipated sophomore album. Highly Hopefully we'll get that before the end of the year. So, Keith, before we get to Tovlo, just two more notes on the Hot 100. Clean Bandit is in the top ten. They move up one spot with Rather Be featuring Jess Glynn. Um, this has been, like Tovlo, who also enters the top ten this week, just weeks and weeks of slowly creeping up the chart. I think we had this on like one of the podcasts we did of like this might be the, like hits or, or songs to watch, Hot 100 songs to watch. Fairly confident that we probably talked about Habits from Tovlo and Rather Be yeah. by Clean Bandit probably Look in the at same us. podcast. Wow. Yeah. Unreal. Because we're smart and also we've got the power to move them into the top 10. No, we don't. It's all math. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's not what we do. Jokes, so, kids. So Clean jokes. Bandit um, – what, what do you think, man? I, I mean, I've seen them. I've seen them live. This, I, I, it's funny because I have never seen. I haven't seen a room explode the way that New York's Webster Hall did a couple weeks ago when Clean Bandit ended oh, their set on. with Rather Be. That's hyperbole. Dude, no, it like, really. I've never isn't. seen a venue explode. No, no really? this. I'm saying this year. I'm saying this year. Okay. This year, I've I've been to many many shows this year. You've never seen a crowd at Webster Hall this year explode the way it did. No, not bandit. not for rather be. Man, when that when that violin riff kicked in, it was it was deafening. It was unreal. And you know, I, I mean, obviously that people are there to see Clean Bandit and, and to hear that song, but people are really latching onto the song. It's in the top ten. I guess we'll see how high it can climb. And um, yeah, I mean, congrats to them. Also, like I said, Tovlo Habits Stay High moves into the top ten this week. 13 to 7. So, congrats to Tovlo on her first top 10. 
Um, Keith, how I think you mentioned in your article that its digital sales are doing pretty well, right? Um, I did. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Putting you on the spot a lot this week. That's fine. I'm on the spot. I'm kind of stalling. Do, 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 Hey, hey, hey. Um, uh, that wasn't very good, was it? But that was it, great. But it, it let me stall for a second. You know, people were distracted by the sound. Um, Habit Stay High actually sold 109,000 copies this past week, which is only up 1%, but it had a big gain a week ago. Um, not quite sure why it had a big gain two weeks ago but yeah it's steadily moving up in sales um it's doing well and radio is picking up on it too and considering the the unusualness of the song that's kind of striking considering that it's kind of a little bit of a downer uh, (laughs) song but yeah totally so tovlo stopped by our new york offices and i wish we actually talked about that how it's a little bit of an offbeat hit habits stay high and whether she likes that or not, it's it's a personal song. And her whole album, Queen of the Clouds, one of the best pop albums of the year. It is also very revealing. We talked about that as well as, you know, she's going to be opening for Katy Perry in Australia come end of November. And, you know, so she's playing to very small rooms now and she'll be playing to arenas as an opening act soon enough. So here is Tovlo on the Pop Shop Podcast. and weeks to get to this point i mean this song has basically been out for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and now it's it keeps rising on the hot 100 what was your thought process while this song kept going up did you expect it to like oh you know it's at number 70 but it'll probably tumble back oh no it's going to keep right like what what was your thought process while this whole rise was going on i mean i tried to not look at it too much because that would drive me crazy just because if I look every day and it will like it would drop, I'd be like, no, 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 it's gonna fall. Because once you're, I mean, I for me just to get first to just get into the hot hundred was like, are you kidding me? Oh my god! Like you know, when I started releasing my own stuff, it was very much like I thought it was gonna be my kind of indie career on this side of my songwriting. Like that was gonna be just for me because I needed to do that. And yeah. so, oh, of course, I've always had these dreams, but you kind of don't dare to dream that big when you're kind of behind the scenes and seeing how much work and how easy it is to just fall off and away you know so I but once I was in the hot hundred I was like oh my god this can actually go really far like is this happening now and then just seeing but I I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't I could never dreamed of being in the top 20 like that's just it's nuts and it makes me feel so excited I yeah (laughs) well you saw this happen last year with your friends I kind of pop yeah yeah I mean I love it yeah, came into the top ten. That was another unexpected hit. I know, but for me, I don't know. I just as soon as I heard that song, I was like, "This is gonna go bananas big!" Like it's yeah. crazy. It just has that kind of also because it has that kind of punk, you know, f- screw everything, and still it's a party song. Uh, it's just like I, it has all those ingredients that I thought was really amazing, groundbreaking, and still will suit a lot of people somehow um for me habits is you know i mean it's still pretty dark and it has a lot of things that will offend people you know in the lyrics (laughs) sorry about that um so i guess i just didn't expect it to connect with so many people that it has which is awesome like yeah really amazing yeah i mean in this the second line you're already in a sex club like yeah so (laughs) you know not not your most expected hit so i I, speaking of which I, i mean i wanted to ask this song is it it seems like a very personal song to you. Yeah. Does that make it harder or easier to see 
so many people kind of connecting with it and kind of learning about you because you think about a song in the top 20 of the Hot 100, it might be something like uh, Pharrell's Happy or mm-hmm. something like Shake It Off or something where it's just like a kind of a, a happy pop song. A feel-good song, yeah. This mm-hmm. is very much revealing. What, what does that feel like for you? I mean, so far, it depends really on what kind of questions I get. I guess maybe sometimes it, it gets weird when someone's like so tell me about your ex-boyfriend and I'm like why should I why should I tell you about him you know but it's still um but it's it's for me it's great when I get you know letters and and talk to fans and they tell me you know their stories and they're like thank you so much I went through the same thing I know exactly what you're talking about it just feels so great to hear a song where that you know puts into words what I'm feeling and that means so much to me like even if I mean I I use music kind of as my therapist I used to hate that that phrasing but it really actually makes a lot of sense like it's where because I have a hard time talking about it but I can write about it as much as with no filter at all so that kind of um I mean it makes me feel good if people can relate to it and I mean it would be awful if people were just like what are you talking about I don't understand you one bit you're so weird then I'd be like well I oh okay (laughs) so it's great that people can relate to it even though yeah I mean I don't want anyone to go through that, but you know, it's part of life. It's such a fascinating album. And I, I'm curious as to if you got any pushback on any of the lyrics. I mean, this is, you know, you, you're, you know, a pop artist mm. now and you have some really not controversial lines in this, in this, but one of my favorite lines, and I'm just going to mm. say mm. is on talking body in the chorus, mm. you say, if you love me right, we fuck for life. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so was there any kind of pushback on lines like that? No. I mean, to be honest, I feel I was very in charge of, you know, writing all the songs and choosing the songs, the order, everything. The lyrics is my main thing. And to be honest, the people that I have around me, the people at the label, my management, everyone that I work with, like my fellow writers, they're all on board with what I'm doing. So it's and you know there I mean of course it's going to be like we might need a, a clean edit for this I'm like well then bleep it I'm not going to sing another word just you know kind of do what you need to do but yeah. if I want to say fuck I'm going to say fuck yeah. <laughs> like in the song that's going to be in there and I they all just they're on board with it they they love it too <laughs> well, there you it's go. the because for me I don't I for me I don't get how it can be so like how you're allowed to sing and do a video like Anaconda, for example, but I can't sing We Fuck For Life. That yeah. for me is like totally weird. Yeah. And I mean, also I'm from Sweden. We don't censor anything there. So it's kind of, I mean, just me getting used to the way it is over here and the more, because you reach out to so many more people and it's a huge commercial world out there that yeah. I just don't, I'm not really aware of it really yet so <laughs> so if i go to sweden will i just hear people dropping f-bombs like oh yeah right? totally yeah oh yeah, cool totally. all right no, i'm going to sweden no, yeah yeah for sure <laughs> but it's also not our first language so maybe that's also what but yeah. even if it's a swedish song where they sing you know our are this the the same swedish curse words they wouldn't censor it so. yeah speaking, speaking of sweden you um worked with max martin you've worked with a ton of of swedish songwriters mm-hmm. um queen of the clouds is is your first album are you working on any kind of songwriting projects now are have you been brought in because I, i'm sure people hear something like habits and think 
oh man, I want to get Tovlo to write with me. Yeah, I, after I released, after the song started getting a lot of attention, I got a lot more. I mean, I've as a writer, I've been getting requests a lot, you know, to be on projects. And I think especially when I became part of the Wolf Cousin crew with Max Martin and Shellback, um, it's increased a bit just because, you know, I've been working on other projects with them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's there is stuff coming in, but I, 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 I love writing for other artists and being part of other projects. But right now, this just hasn't been time. Like yeah. it's been, I mean, I've had to focus on my stuff and I kind of, I, I do have a hard time like doing more, than one thing it's like if I'm writing I need to be writing yeah. kind of um uh but yeah it's it's um there's some offers coming in yeah cool <laughs> or offers or requests or whatever yeah but which is awesome like it, that makes me really excited if you know they heard my stuff and they you know feel even more that they want to work with me on yeah. that yeah I mean you're you're touring uh headlining shows right now yes uh, which is exciting mm-hmm. you're opening for Katy Perry at before the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about that. But what what can what are you expecting from being on a tour with Katy Perry playing arenas? I mean, first of all, it's going to be just really cool to see how a huge team like that work around. I mean, just the whole stage setup, everything. There's so many people involved, and that everyone just seems to know their role and is so professional, and it's like a really well-oiled machine yeah. I, I guess uh, and that's gonna be really cool to see on that you know just that big level from like I mean I'm doing shows now around you know around a thousand people mm-hmm. and it's my first tour ever I've never done a tour before so just to go from that into <laughs> like this huge arena tour like yeah it's gonna be crazy to you know be in front of such a big crowd like just to and also a crowd that's not there to see me but I mean, for me, you know, even if it's just like a few hundred people who like know me, I'll be excited. Like I'm, I'm just, it's just going to be so cool to be in such a huge room and like have that to take that all in. I, yeah, it's, it's going to be yeah. amazing experience. I think. Have you, have you seen the prismatic tour yet? Yes. I saw okay. it in LA actually a few days ago. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, it was insane. Like she was fucking amazing. Like she just, <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah. I was like, okay, this is serious. This is real. It was like fireworks and there were, you know, flying guitar players and she was flying. I'm like, how can she sing and like keep a perfect pitch and like be like swinging in the air? I'm like, how is this possible? So (laughs) I was very impressed. There's like dance fighting. Yes, it's it's like like the opening where she just like comes up out of this like prismatic, like this just like cave opens up and she's standing in it in this like neon lights dress. And I'm like, okay. This is crazy. It was so cool. <laughs> now, do you do you see that and do you say to yourself, this is something I want someday? I mean, you know, she's been doing this for years and years, but, you know, it all starts somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we probably would have very different setups. Like, I think what she's doing is so her and mm-hmm. perfect for her. But I, I don't really see myself, you know, in the neon dress or with tons of dancers i see myself more with um with a band like because I've, I've always been in just in bands and i feel very part of you know yeah a, a band even though i'm a solo artist still i i kind of but i mean it was so inspiring just the visuals and the lighting all of that stuff on that level i really can't wait to get to and like how the whole how the whole stage was set up was so amazing but I mean, she's a good dancer. I don't know if I could dance like that. That's like the main reason why I wouldn't have dancers because I couldn't join them in any, <laughs> in any way. <laughs> I do my weird little spastic moves on stage. Like, 
I can I can do a little twerk if I would want to, but I, I, I probably wouldn't, you know, have anyone see that would be bad. <laughs> So congrats again to Tovlo. She actually did not know that Habits Stay High was going to be in the top 10 this week because we taped that interview on Tuesday and the numbers weren't final until Wednesday. So she was she was just thrilled to have a top 20 song. Now she has a top 10 song. So congrats to her and thanks for stopping by the Pop Shop Podcast. Keith, we got to get out of here. But before we do, it's time for your Charts Out of the Week. <laughs> It's a little bit, a little more downbeat this week. Um, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. All right, fine. Hey. Okay. So, 25 years ago, on October 7th, 1989, Jason Lipschutz was born. No. <laughs> Not that far off, but but keep going. Not quite. Um, Paula Abdul's "Forever Your Girl" album, "Forever Your Girl." Uh, completed the longest climb ever to number one on the Billboard 200 chart. It moved to the top of the chart in its 64th week. Incredible. Um, The record stands to this day. No other album has ever taken longer to get to number one in terms of the number of weeks that it's been on the chart. Um, And we're looking at the chart all the way back to 1963 when our stereo and mono... Remember mono? Uh, Hell yeah. Not the disease, but mono, uh, not the sickness. uh, The mono LP charts combined with our stereo LP charts back in 1963. No album has ever taken longer. By the time the album hit number one, it had already generated three number one singles. And then it later hit, uh, it later scored another number one single in 1990. Um, It was one of the most popular albums of the late 1980s and early 1990s. Sold millions and millions of copies of albums. Of course, Paula would later release two more studio albums and become a TV star as a judge on American Idol. Um, But in 1989, she was forever our girl. And here's some interesting extras chart beat stat type stuff for you. Uh, If Forever Your Girl had the longest climb to number one, who had the second longest climb to number one? You'll never guess. I'll just tell you. It was the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. It hit number one in uh, March of 2002 in its 63rd week. So it almost tied Paula. And I think it went to number one the... Like the week or two after it won Album of the Year at the Grammy Awards. Album of the Year. Yeah. It was one of those albums that was hanging around forever because it was, you know, from the, first from the movie and then the, the song um, I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow became a yeah. hit on country radio and then the Grammy Love and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, there you go. 25 weeks, 25 years ago, Paul Abdul hit number one with Forever Your Girl. Thank you, Keith, for your Charts Out of the Week. I'm so loopy. I don't know what's going on. I'm like talking over myself and tripping over my tongue. I apologize to everyone listening. Uh, no worries, man. Hey, you know what? Speaking of talking over yourself and tripping over your own tongue, get he, here's a little uh, non-chart stat of the week for you. Do you know? So this this podcast is going to post on October 2nd. Do you know what we were doing this time or October 2nd of 2013. We were recording our very first podcast? That is correct. Is that when it the, posted or is that when we actually recorded it? We we recorded it on October 2nd, 2013 and posted it on October 3rd, 2013. So to all those who are listening to the Pop Shop podcast and longtime fans... We don't know how you made thank, it through. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, this was a this was a sketchy episode. Uh, aside from the toe flow, aside from the the great toe flow interview. Aside yeah, from we, that, it was kind of I don't know. Uh, you know, we we have years and years ahead of us to to hone our craft. But, but I interrupted you, you Jason. You were going to say something very nice, and so I'm sorry about that. Hey, no, I I just I wanted to say thank you to all listening. It's been a fun year, and we hope to have many more to come. So, Keith, one note before we get out of here. I am not going to be here next week. I am taking a much-needed vacation. I haven't, I like never take vacations, so I'm very excited to be. I'm actually going to be in your neck of the woods a little bit. I'm going to be in California, San Francisco area. You could just come um, down here and do the podcast in L.A. I know. I don't think I'm going to do that. I, I think... You I think call my fiance in. would. I think my fiance would not let me. I think she would. She would kill me if I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna drive a couple hours to tape the podcast with Keith. It'll be fun. No, no. She can join no. in. It'll be a hoot. Um, so what this <laughs> means is I'm gonna be flying solo. I'm just for for like 35 minutes. I'll be talking to myself. No, no. We have a fun special guest um, co-host next week. And um, yeah, it, it should be fun. And then I'll be back in two weeks to chop it up more with you. Who knows? Keith. It could be amazing. And we'll never, we'll never hear from you again. It could be so successful. <laughs> yeah. What if I get replaced? replaced? Oh no! This oh, is why you don't man. take vacations because someone else will show up <laughs> and and oh, take man. over. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mason Lipschutz. Anyway, Keith, do you have any parting words? I do not. But thank you for the fabulous uh, full year of podcast fun. Yeah, absolutely. Keith, we will talk let, let's uh let's go out on Started from the Bottom by Drake because we started from the bottom and now we're here. Thank you to all listening and take care. Through the money and the fame cuz we started from the bottom now we here. Started from the bottom now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom now we here. Started from the bottom now the whole If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge miss cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger miss cake. Or the worst miss cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a miss cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitutes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.